0: Shalom Aleichem to all the Tehillim on KLAF listeners, it's a wonderful privilege, a great tz'chus to share some words of Torah and chizuk with you in this month of Elul. The truth is, the month of Elul is a particularly auspicious time for the recitation of Tehillim. As much as many of us have the minute to recite Tehillim every day of the year, there are several minhagim in Qal Yisrael that highlight the unique significance and importance of reciting Tehillim during the month of Elul. The minhag of Chabad is to recite three Mizmorim every single day. They conclude Sefer Tehillim on Yom Kippur. Others, based on the Mata Ephraim, have a minhag to recite ten Mizmorim Tehillim every single day during the month of Elul, making sure to finish the Sefer twice over the course of the month. But certainly the most prominent, the most prevalent Tehillim-related minhag during the month of Elul is the one that's cited by the Mishnah Brura in Orachayim, Tavko fe Aleph, Safkat, and Bez, to recite Mizmor, Khafzai, and LeDavid Hashem, Ori, V'Yish'i twice every day, Once after Shacharis, and another time alternately either after Mincha or Ma'arim. Now I'd like to share with you a thought from what is perhaps the climactic Pesach of that Mizmor. In Tehillim, Parak of Zion, pasuk Dalit, we read, Acha sha'alti me'es Hashem osa'vakesh, shivti be'vesh Hashem kol yamechayai lachazos b'noam Hashem uvaker v'heichalah. Acha sha'alti, there's one thing that I ask of Hashem osa'vakesh, that is what I seek to dwell in the house of Hashem all the days of my life to witness the pleasantness of Hashem and to visit in His Heichal in His Sanctuary Rav Azhar Weiss Shlita notes an intrinsic tension in the Pasuk we begin the Pasuk with a request to dwell in the house of Hashem that request has a connotation of permanence one who dwells in the house of Hashem, one who is a ben bayis, if you will, in the house of Hashem, is someone who is constantly, regularly, consistently, permanently living in Hashem's presence. He is with Hashem always. But the end of the pasuk makes a different request. At the end of the pasuk, we ask to visit Hashem's sanctuary, levakher behechalot. And here, the connotation is not one of permanence, but rather of transience. A visitor is the opposite of a Ben Bayez. He comes, he sees, but ultimately he leaves. A visitation, by definition, must come to an end. It is not permanent. And therefore, one who visits the house of Hashem is not forever dwelling in his divine presence. You don't visit your eternal home, the very home in which you dwell. So, what ultimately are we asking for? Are we asking to dwell in the house of Hashem or only to visit? The Azhar suggests that the tension is deliberate and is intended to convey an important message about what we truly seek in this month of Elul. Of course, primarily we seek to dwell in the house of Hashem, permanently. Chas v'Shalom should we ever seek only a temporary visit where we leave the presence of Hashem. One of the dangers of dwelling, one of the hazards of dwelling, is that over time we lose the excitement of the visitor. Over time, what was once new turns old. What was once fresh, turns stale. What was once exhilarating, turns routine. Far too often, the passage of time leaves us desensitized. We're incapable of seeing and sensing the, the sanctity, the immense Kedusha and Tahara that surrounds us always in a life of avodas Hashem. And in Elul, we turn to Hashem and ask, even as we seek to dwell in your presence permanently and always, we ask that you simultaneously and perhaps paradoxically, maintain for us the excitement of the visitor. Let us dwell in your home every single day, but experience every single day as if we are visiting for the very first time. I recently shared with my kahila an exchange that I had with a, a non-Jewish man who I met. And who told me that he's seen me before, that he recognizes me. And I didn't recognize him, so I asked him where exactly he's seen me, how he, he knows who I am. And he shared with me that he's actually a photographer who frequently finds himself at Orthodox Jewish weddings taking pictures because that's part of his brand also. That's how, he, that's how he makes a living. And before I, I could even respond, he volunteers. He says to me, Rabbi, I want you to know that I love attending Orthodox Jewish weddings. They're so special. They're so meaningful. I really love attending them. And I asked him in response what exactly he loves so much. I was half expecting him to maybe talk about the, the schmorg carving station, the the sushi table, some of the things that, unfortunately, we are at times preoccupied with when we think about our own chasanas. And he said to me, Rabbi, the pure happiness and joy, what we would call the the pure simchas chasun v'kala, that you experience at a Jewish wedding, is unparalleled. You don't have it anywhere else. And he went on to describe what a chasana is like from his perspective. He says you get to the dance floor there's this wall in the middle of the dance floor and the men are on one side and the women are on the other side and everyone is dancing in this single large circle everyone's dancing around the the bride or the groom respectively and he says to me that's beautiful he says you don't have that anywhere else at any other kinds of, of weddings this communal experience of celebration everyone dancing together everyone dancing excitedly around the the or around the kala he says, and then one person gets into the middle to dance with the groom and they're dancing with such energy and excitement. He describes to me the the kates of Merakhtan. They sit in the middle, and people start dancing in front of them. They dance, and they juggle, and they put on costumes. He says to me, Rabbi, I do lots of weddings, of all stripes and colors, but there is no pure happiness and joy like there is at a Jewish wedding. And as I'm listening to him, and and his really beautiful description of our chasanas, the irony dawns on me. Here is a non-Jewish photographer Explaining to a Rav, a Rav who attends countless chasanas, how beautiful our chasanas are. And not just explaining, waxing eloquent, going on and on about just how beautiful they are. And to be honest, if asked, I don't know if I would be able to describe our Simchas Chasam as well as he did. He was the Mavaker, the visitor, who had a fresh perspective and due to that fresh perspective was able to perceive that, that happiness, joy and excitement that I had somehow grew numb to that I needed to be revisited, that I needed to be rekindled. And to me, that applies in many other areas of our Avoda HaShem as well. In some ways, the same can be said of our recitation of Sefer Tehillim. I myself try to recite Tehillim every single day. Like so many Jews throughout the world and throughout the ages, Sefer Tehillim is a, a regular component, it's a fixture in my daily conversations with, with the Rebun Shalom but when you recite Tehillim so often, when you recite it daily, you run the risk of turning it into a rote recitation, of, of losing your sense of awe at the depth and the beauty of the words of David HaMelech. When we spend kol yemei every day of our lives with David HaMelech Sefer, we sometimes ironically lose our sense of wonder. Or as I sometimes say, in our pursuit of saying all the words, we forget to let each word penetrate our neshama, penetrate our soul. And every now and then we need to stop ourselves and rediscover that awe and wonder, the awe and wonder of the mavakir, of the visitor. Speaking personally, when I find myself running through my tehillim too quickly, just reciting it quickly to make sure that I get it done, I force myself to stop, to just read it more slowly, to read it with an open mind, and more importantly, with an open heart. There is so much spiritual depth in the words of Tehillim. The Gemara B'sachim, daf Kofit Zayin, and Amalaf records the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua, it's an opinion that's partially adopted by the Chachamim as well, that David HaMelech composed the tefillahs of Sefer Tehillim for the Tzivor. He composed them for us. He had each and every one of us in mind when he wrote the Sefer. And when you go through the Sefer with eyes wide open, with heart wide open, there is always, always a new layer of meaning and depth that you didn't notice the time before. There is always some way in which it reaches out to to our souls, to our neshamos. At the same time, expresses the inner yearnings of our neshamos to Avinu Shemayim, to our Father in Heaven. During the month of Elul, we must ensure that our avodas Hashem is reinvigorated with the excitement of the visitor, even as we seek permanent dwelling, because there is so much in our avodas Hashem for us to be genuinely excited about, even if in previous months our davening was sometimes a rote performance, going to shul three times a day, muttering tefillah, sometimes without proper kavana, without thought. Let us make sure that at least in Elul, we revisit tefillah. We reinvigorate our tefillah experience, re-experience the majesty of standing before Hashem and, and speaking to Him directly, up close and personal. Even if in previous months, our experience of Shabbos sometimes became uh, just a series of rituals, uh, neros, Kiddush, Motzi, devoid of proper feeling and meaning, let us make sure that in Elul, we revisit Shabbos, we reinvigorate our Shabbos experience and sensitize ourselves to the beauty and the sanctity of the Shabbos Malka. Even if in previous months our Torah learning was sometimes lacking, struggling to bring ourselves to the base measures or just to open up a Sefer, let us make sure that at least in Elul we revisit, we reinvigorate the exhilaration of Lema Torah, Torah, bringing divine ancient wisdom into our lives, illuminating all facets of our life experience. In the weeks ahead, may Hashem hear our dual tefillah in Tehillah Mizmarch of Zion, to dwell and to visit. And may He answer our tefillahs, granting us life's greatest gift. Shepti v'v'v'shashem kal'yimei ch'ayai l'chazos v'noam Hashem u'v'aker ve'ichalok.